I was recently in traffic one day, trying to get somewhere quick, not enough time. It's not unusual for me. And I think I was on Johnson Street, which is one of the worst. And there's two lanes, and I remember being at a red light, and um, the light turned green. The lane next to me starts going. My lane doesn't. So naturally, I honk my horn for the person in front of me. Hello, it's green. Other lane's moving. Time for you to move too. And of course, then we, that car, like gas is on it. They suddenly realize that it's green. And, and then as I'm driving a little bit faster than some, a few others, I'm trying to, as I'm passing up that car, I, I want to just, just want to see. I just want to see who's driving. I just want to see. And, and of course, the person's texting, texting and driving. All right. So judgment is happening in my head, judging this person heavily. If they wouldn't be texting, I wouldn't have to drive so fast because we would have gone when the light was green. And then um, a few days later, you know, I find myself in a very similar situation. Amazing. You know, I, once again, I didn't plan well enough to leave soon enough. And so I'm trying to get somewhere fast. And I'm at a, a stoplight. I think it's Kali Saloon this time. And um, same thing happens. Light turns green. The lane next to me is going. My lane's not going. And all of a sudden, I hear a honk. Because I'm the one that didn't go when it was green. And so, I'm immediately frustrated. Like, hello, that's rude. You don't honk your horn at people. Excuse me. I was, it was only like half a second, all right? We're, gonna, we're all going to get to the same place. And sometimes we have to be a little humbled in order to be merciful. Because in that moment, I realized that I too am capable of not seeing the green light. Mercy kind of works that way. A lot of times we uh, tend to be a little bit more compassionate on those who struggle with the same weaknesses as us, or maybe with the same sins that we have. Or maybe if we have suffered before and we see someone suffering, we're able to connect with them with a certain amount of empathy because we know what it feels like. And there's something about that dynamic that helps us and in a way teaches us what mercy is all about. So King David understood mercy really well. There's a lot written about King David in the Old Testament. I mean, um, we believe that he wrote the majority of the Psalms, the book of the Psalms, written by King David. Um, And in the book of Kings and and Samuel, we, we have the story of David, even as a young boy, killing Goliath and then becoming a very charismatic and, and popular um, person in, in Saul's, King Saul's army, and then eventually becoming king. Well, today we have a reading of King, well, he's not king yet, of David in the Old Testament approaching King Saul. And King Saul was very threatened by David. He really didn't like David because David was gaining popularity. Even though Saul was king, David was very well-liked. He was very charismatic. He was very skilled. He was a mighty warrior. And King Saul was threatened. So threatened that he tried to kill David on a number of occasions. 
And those few occasions are recorded in Scripture. Imagine being remembered for that. Well, in today's reading, what we see is after having known that King Saul is trying to take his life, trying to put an end to David, the Lord delivers David to King Saul. And the Lord puts a deep slumber upon Saul and his warriors. In other words, King David has a free opportunity to slay his enemy because they're all asleep. And naturally, most people would, would take this opportunity as a given. And, and in one sense, you know, if there was a, a fair battle that was happening between King Saul and David, you know, in a battlefield, it's a, a sword fight or whatever, um, you know, David has the expected right to self-defense. And the Lord would probably bless that. Because, I mean, somebody is actively trying to kill you in this moment, and so you defend yourself, and that's totally fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But David sees that this situation is a little bit different because King Saul is asleep. It's not an active battle on the battlefield. It's not a fair match. So what does David do? David has mercy on King Saul. Even though he knows that King Saul hates him, even though he knows that King Saul is actively trying to kill him, even though he knows that he could slay King Saul right now in this moment, with, with ease, David has mercy on Saul. Well, it's a good thing that he did. Because as the story develops, some of you may remember that eventually King Saul dies and David becomes king. And he becomes a great king, a, a well-liked and, and a mighty uh, successful king. But some of you may remember the story of his great sin. King David one day notices a beautiful woman and decides that he wants to pursue this woman. Only problem is that this woman is married. And after having pursued this woman and doing things that he shouldn't, he tries to cover up his sin by having that woman's husband killed in battle. And so now King David beloved by God, mighty king and warrior, commits a double dramatic sin, adultery and murder altogether. Well, what does David do? He immediately repents and and cries out for mercy to God. And and in fact, he even wrote Psalm 51. It's one of my favorites. It's a whole psalm all about, Lord, have mercy on me. King David has mercy, I mean, asks for mercy, and the Lord gives him mercy. The Lord has mercy on King David, and eventually tells King David that the Messiah is going to come from his generation. So what we see, in summary, is that King David had mercy on King Saul, and later received mercy for himself. And it's fitting, because in today's gospel, we see Jesus tell us that the measure with which we measure will be measured out to us. Jesus says, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Jesus even says, our heavenly Father is merciful and kind even to those that are ungrateful, even to the wicked. 
And so if our heavenly Father is merciful to even those who don't deserve it, Jesus is saying, be merciful like that. Because the amount of mercy that you extend to others will be the amount of mercy that God has on you. The measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. So mercy is hard. And so I'd like for us to be honest with ourselves this morning and to consider for a moment, what is your measure? What is your measure of mercy? Are you quick to forgive? And are you quick to listen? Are you quick to seek to understand? Or are you quick to assume? Are you quick to judge? Are you quick to speak ill and complain about others? Are you quick to spread gossip? What is your measure of mercy? Because the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. One of our core values here at St. Leo is that we want to live divine mercy. We haven't quite talked a whole lot about that yet, because we're still kind of unpacking all these values together. And we, we definitely plan to, to talk about this more, especially as Lent approaches and progresses. But what is divine mercy? If we want to live divine mercy, what is that all about? Well, divine mercy, we could say a lot about it. But one thing that could be said about it is that divine mercy is the summary of the whole gospel message. Divine mercy is God's love for sinners. God's love for the sinners who repent. It's the the good news of the gospel to recognize that you and me and really everyone else has sin. We are suffering in our sin. That we all have different sins, sure. Many of us have similar sins. And maybe there's different degrees of sinfulness, but we all desperately need God's mercy because we have sinned and we still sin. Many of us, though, fail to acknowledge that. We kind of just get used to our sin. It just kind of becomes normal. When society celebrates sin, it's hard to really acknowledge that, it's, that there's anything wrong with it. And so we kind of start to justify our lives, that we're really okay. We really don't need a whole lot from God. And then God just kind of becomes dwindled down to this nice teacher. But God's so much more than that. Because we need his mercy. We want to live divine mercy. To live it means that we share it because we have received it. Just like David understood mercy. He gave an abundant amount of mercy to King Saul, even though Saul certainly did not deserve it. And we too, in the face of suffering, want to share God's divine love. That's particularly the the nuance that mercy brings in, in the definition of love. It's love in the face of suffering. That we want to extend God's love to those that are suffering the most, whether that means that they're poor, they're sick, they're lonely, they're suffering, they're grieving, they're going through something difficult. 
We want to extend God's love to those people. But in order to extend that love, we first have to know what that love is like. We have to receive that love for ourselves. We have to first get in touch with our need for God's love. And we all have different things that bring us to that needfulness. Maybe it's a physical pain, an emotional distress. Maybe it's an addiction to sin or all of the above. But we all sin. We all desperately need God's mercy, God's healing love upon our hearts and upon our lives. And when we receive it, now we have something to share. The measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. If you find it hard to forgive, if you struggle to be compassionate to those that make mistakes, if you find it difficult within you to go out of your way to help those in need, perhaps you are clinging to your woundedness. Perhaps you're trying to cover up your sinfulness. Perhaps you haven't truly encountered the healing divine mercy of God, our Father. So what do we want to do? We want to encounter God's mercy. We want to receive God's mercy. Maybe we have to go to confession. Maybe we have to forgive somebody. Maybe we have to share God's mercy with someone in need. Maybe we have to encounter the, the, the merciful glance of God our Father in Scripture. Maybe we have to meet Him in personal prayer. But as we approach Lent, Lent is only a week or so away, and as we enter into the, the six weeks of Lent, I want us at St. Leo to meditate on what it means to be merciful. Because divine mercy is not cheap. It's not an automatic permission for any sin to just take place. Divine mercy comes with a cost. Divine mercy came with the blood of Jesus Christ. And only whenever we unite ourselves to that cross, repent of our sins, and receive the healing grace of God our Father, do we encounter the freedom of divine mercy. They say that hurt people hurt people. People who have been hurt end up hurting others. We want to be healed people that heal people. We want to be freed people that free people. We want to receive God's mercy for ourselves in order to share that with others. We receive it so that we can share it, and we share it so that we can receive it. This is what it means to live divine mercy. The measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. Amen.